2: Hello, beautiful human. Thank you so much for letting us into your ears today. We are about to get to know Black Bear. I'm so excited. We're going to talk about everything from life to mansions to music. I mean, boyfriend and his six studio album, Loving Memory. There's so much on the agenda. So get ready for a great conversation. And please, while you're here, subscribe to our podcast and share it with those you care about. Cool? Cool. Here's Black Bear. Hello, beautiful human. My name is Zach. That is Dan. And we welcome to the studio, Black Bear. Hi. Thank you <laughs> for giving us your time can and energy. Will spit my
0: lifesaver out? Because I'm going to be like... Yeah, you can literally... We'll blur it out so nobody sees you doing any of that. I'm going to save it, too. Oh, that's good. I'm that's, not, Yeah, I'm going to put it on the table, and I'm going to put it back in my mouth. That's really frugal and really i like that actually well i only brought like 10 in my pocket so you got to last for the day Mm -hmm. so i gotta i can't just like be throwing lifesavers out you suck on them you don't chew on them yeah uh, no they're 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 like the hard candy lifesavers yeah yeah so people chew them he chews them i bite right it's so bad for your teeth Mm -hmm. thank
2: you it's not good yeah Uh, question your hair is attached to self-expression right i don't know what do you mean I mean, you, your hair change. By the way, it's amazing. Thank you. Um, but I, I follow one of the my favorite things to do on the internet is follow your hair chronicles <laughs> and see how they move and they change. And I do believe that the way people do their hair is attached to, at least what they want to. Express in that moment, it's, you know, it yeah.
0: definitely moves. I change it for every, like, video performance. Like, we're doing James Corden tomorrow, so this is the hair for Corden. Sick. So I change it for, I'll have a new one for the VMAs this weekend. <laughs> and it usually matches, like, whatever the stylists are going for. Got it. Yeah, like, um, yeah, this weekend, Matthew Williams from Givenchy is styling me, so I'll probably do, like, a baby blue because he, he likes to do black with baby blue so it's beautiful yeah thank you for being here by the way yeah thanks for having me i've
2: been a genuine fan for quite some time thank you man i mean you have had an incredibly fascinating musical run as we approach the sixth studio album Mm -hmm. is it wild to think that you're at number six
0: am i supposed to hear you in these headphones can you not hear me no oh i want to fix that my headphones aren't on oh bro i sound the best through headphones okay okay
2: Oh my God, that's so disappointing. Oh, dude, I'm so sorry. Dude, I'm sorry, Zach. No, isn't it, is it, It's a much better. Just tell me. It's I sound so much better this way, right? Oh yeah, it's like you got like this. I sound so much better this way, right? <laughs> this summer, <laughs> I really am addicted to the way I sound through
0: processing. It's uh, it's really unhealthy <laughs> and it's bad. Me too. I do Ryan Seacrest job sometimes, and they ask me to. Because when I turn on my radio voice, it's like. Hey, what's up? It's Black Bear, and like I, I, I turn it on, and like, like they wanted me to like replace Seacrest. I, I I've heard you host on SiriusXM Hits One. Yeah, you're out there. Yeah, I'm out there. I'm doing it.
2: But so, six studio album, but a musical journey that is so incredibly fascinating. It starts in emo and very pop punk. Mm-hmm. I mean, is that is it correct to say that like Polaroid was. That was emo, correct? Yeah, but then you move into R and B.
0: Yeah, well, I sent out all my demos that I had to like various people, like like um, Ultra Records in Miami, and like I sent it out to um, a few other like songwriters and producers. And Neo was the first person to write back <laughs> and said, "Hey, come for a week to Atlanta and record with us." And I ended up, I ended up staying for three years, learning learning under Neo what did What do you think, or did you ask him? Like, what did Neil hear in those demos that he was like, there-? "I don't know. I never asked him what he heard in me. he I was just like the token white guy. <laughs> I was just like, I was just like the guy that was around that made acoustic music. And like any song that came in that was like acoustic vocal, they were like, Hey, cut this." And like, so I was just the token dude, like just, you know but because it's not just neo it's all his producers yeah that's, that's who i really learned under was his camp you know so all the producers and and like b major or just major you would know him as today like i learned from him and like yeah I, he's the first person i saw go into a studio lock the door and come out with a song so i was like i want to do that i want to produce write, and come out with a song like by myself i want to be self-supporting well so what fuels that isn't it an understanding that like with a band
2: there's just emotions and other personalities that need to be managed to yeah. craft. It's like having
0: five girlfriends, honestly. Yeah, and and you and it's also like having um five children that you have to pay allowance to, too. Yeah. And so in my band I was like managing. We didn't have a manager, so I booked all the sh- I was the booking agent, too. Booked all the shows. I, like, managed the band, I wrote all the songs, and, like, they wrote some of the music to the songs, of course, but, because that's what a band does. And so, it was just, like, um, coming from that out of high school, it was just, like, I want to do this, like, for real. Like, I want to do this seriously. In that moment, do you realize that,
2: I mean... that it's you and only you that it takes to craft something great or do you realize that like you do need other people
0: in that studio to make a hit song um it depends because i i made idfc by myself in a room with no one You know and that's four times platinum now and it's just like it's just like I don't know like like yeah collaboration is great and good but believing in yourself is more powerful when you really believe in yourself but at what point in your career did you realize did you have that belief in yourself because that's rooted in confidence right I don't know if it's confidence and maybe it's confidence in your craft and like but I just I just knew I had something to say in a way to make the world feel when did you realize that though um, probably around the afterglow when I started making Blackbear.
2: Got it. Yeah. W- what elements of emo music did you carry with you into R and B?
0: Um, I uh, probably lyrics. Cause you know I couldn't find sex or foreplay <laughs> out there. Yeah, cause they're not they're not like official Blackbear releases. <laughs> they're like um, my demos. The, uh, do they exist anywhere on the internet? No. Probably YouTube. Got it. Yeah. SoundCloud is a big
2: part of your DNA too Yeah, huge I thought I'd find them there No
0: No No Are you proud of those? No
2: What When were you Do you remember when you started to actually feel pride for the art you were making?
0: It was the Afterglow That was it? Yeah, that's why I That's why I only I considered that the first Black Bear album But could you have gotten there without everything else? No it's wild to think, right? Yeah, I just don't like the other shit. <laughs> but you learned from it. <laughs> I learned from it, but I just don't like it. I wouldn't. I don't want to listen to it. So, what do you
2: take with you from that time in Neo that you brought with you into the Afterglow?
0: What do I take from? The what did time? you learn? Like that you actually applied in crafting that first body? A work? lot. Of, I mean, it's. I would. It would take. It would take like three days to tell you everything. But I mean, um, I mean, just down to like you cut your vocals like this you you double this you the the formula is like this and you start a song with this many words and you you make sure that this note always lands on this beat and this there's a formula to like hit records and like all this stuff and like some people believe there's a formula but i just think it's like um the way people relate and and, and the time period you're in mm. i feel like you the time period and the, the the temperature of culture does matter. It no, 100%. If you miss your window, it's not a hit song anymore. That's how that's what I think. Is there something to holding a song until the temperature's right? Because if you release it
2: even pre like you can miss it or you can miss it either on the the front end or the back end, right?
0: Right. Of the moment. It depends. I I think if you have like if you have like I don't know an IDFC you can release it anytime and it's gonna work anytime just because it's it's honest and it's real and it'll touch people um, but if you have I don't know a, a hot girl bummer I don't think I could release it today and it be as big of a hit as it was um, right before lockdown yeah it just fit uh, hot girl bummer was kind of me in the club sing it was when I was single and I was like freshly out of a relationship and I was I just I turned to the club and turned to my promoter friends to take me out and show me a good time and pay a bunch of girls to be around us and like get the bottles with the sparklers and like everything and like play my song and like make it make me feel like I'm a way bigger artist than I am and I like I just made hot girl bummer about that that experience a song like that goes
2: on to change your life in a major way Mm -hmm. as like It is easily, I mean, dude, it's still played on radio stations every other hour all over the country. Mm -hmm. Like it is one, do you consider it one of your biggest records that you've ever put out there? How do you establish what a big record is to you?
0: A hundred million streams is a good like indicator idea. So like I have, I have, I have for me, like those are the ones that touched a lot of people and yeah, I don't know, there's there's ones like Me and Your Ghost is over 100 million streams. I think Queen of Broken Hearts is close to that. And then Miss the Old You, Dirty Laundry. There's a, I have like a bunch, IDFC, Hot Girl Bummer, IDFC Acoustic, um, that are well over 100 million streams. But um, I don't know. Do you expect Hot Girl Bummer to be, it's beyond a moment, because it lasts still to this day. Like it will be a yeah. song I think they'll play on the radio for... I don't know. I don't see it as a song that they'll play on the radio forever. I really? feel like I feel like it was just that moment. That summer, you know. That's Do you see all your songs as a moment? Um I see all my songs as like they have many moments for sure. Has songs changed what they mean to you over time? Yeah. Yeah. Some of them I'm like some of them I li- I listen back to and I'm like wow i was like really hurting in this time like i was really going through it and i made this song and it makes me self-reflect and be like wow like i grew so much and i got out of that and yeah it definitely yeah
2: takes a new meaning
0: yeah it takes a new meaning and yeah makes me feel for the old me
2: you know how do records start is it lyrics and story first or is there it's like know, always different for yeah, me yeah, yeah. One way.
0: usually just an, an acoustic guitar and a vocal usually has that been like a constant for me yeah that's all i know wow
2: yeah i i always talk about it but like is it true that all good songs can be played on an acoustic and remain
0: extraordinarily great yeah what is it about an acoustic guitar and that simplicity um if you can strip anything down to just a piano and vocal or acoustic and acoustic and vocal and it still be great i think you have something special and like um that's why i write all my songs on acoustic first um and the ones that i don't um i don't know they're sometimes not as special but i i I, there's i don't have like a formula for ever. you know i i just like kind of I kind of just push a button. I push a bunch of buttons until something works. That's kind of like, what I. that's my formula. But you hear it, right? Yeah, if some there's a thingy. If there's like a thingy, then, then we're good. <laughs> Is the thingy different every time? Yeah.
2: So you mentioned trying to learn or understand at least a basic formula, like the building blocks of a hit song. Mm, yeah. Do you think that formula still applies or has it changed over time?
0: I think that's kind of like an old person thing. I don't know. I, I I think like making, like, of course, like it worked for people like Max Martin and Dr. Luke, and it's still working for them to this day because they just know how to make hits. But um, I don't know. Maybe I should learn something from them. And like, I don't know, I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, it's, it's going pretty well. But also I find it incredibly cool
2: that one starts in pop punk, and ultimately studies under r greats and urban greats, and then comes out, I mean, yeah, you write incredible numb, boyfriend, you have your era with Mike, and you just released a song with him for the first time after four years, but then you still end up in pop punk. Yeah. I mean, keeping a genre and a format that has been so heavily influential in my life, that I thought for a while, dude, was gonna go away. Like I was really nervous, mm-hmm. really. When Bamboozle started closing down and Warp Tour, Tour started, yeah. Like I was really, like I was. I, it was just a just a safety. Safe I wish
0: Warp Tour would come back, and I can headline it. That I, would be like so great. I would love. I think it's gonna come back in new ways.
2: Maybe our friends over at Emo and I can do something. Yeah,
0: you know. Yeah, Th-
2: there's a community there. Yeah. What like, what brought you, or what what keeps you attached to that genre? 'Cause you can do anything.
0: <laughs> um, that's just all I know. That's what I learned. That's you know, that's what got me to love music, like in a way like like I passionately fucking love music and it's because of Newfound Glory and The yeah. Used and Blink and Midtown and Census Fail and and just I don't know, I just I think, I don't know. I just, I think at this moment in time, I just wanted to make an album for me and an album for the fans and not really give a shit if it was, if it was going to end up in a movie or end up on the radio or end up on, on Pitchfork's list of good songs. Like, I just don't give a shit at all. I don't. That's the biggest difference between in Loving Memory and everything that's come before? Um, maybe in Loving Memory and the album that's come before it. Yeah. Got it got it so fifth and sixth Mm -hmm. what changes where you just don't give a shit it's an era it's just like every album i go into a different era i start i don't know this era i started dying my hair all fucking crazy and um i do something different in every era and it's just like i don't know um every album has a color And like, it's just, it's, I'm in the era and I obsess over that digital drug Lord was orange and everything I was, all my clothes were orange and my nails were orange. And I just like, that was such an era for me. And I just want people to like get lost in my era. Where does the era begin for you? Is it seeing a color and then crafting to that? No, no, no. It's, it's once an album's done, I wait to get inspired by something and I start a new one. What inspired number six my real father passing away that's do you process and then begin to write or no i just begin to write really and and hope that by the end of the album and when it comes out that i've processed by that time and i don't even know if i have at i maybe i have it's been a year um but i just i hope to have processed every all the shit that i was going through by the time the album Comes out. Do you write this alone, or do you? I mean, I mean, I do a lot of it alone. Like the, the. The intimate parts of my music are alone. It's those. I, that's I write in my phone, and I write the ideas in my phone, and like. Um, I don't know. It, every all the intimate parts of the lyrics are. I don't co-write with anyone. Um, but you know. Andrew Goldstein will send me a chorus idea or a melody and we'll use it. And then I'll write lyrics to that. So I have no formula, but I,
2: we talked to so many artists and I've yet to, and I always ask the question of like, do you process while you write? Do you process before? And I've never gotten somebody who actually processes while they write and uses the process to like really dissect and figure out. Yeah. You learn a lot. Yeah. I mean, even just being alone but also sharing it with people you trust. Yeah. What is it like to share this body of work at all with anybody?
0: Or uh, even an idea. It's like group therapy or something. It's like um it's kind of like sitting down and being like, This is what I'm going through, this is what's happening in my life. How can we put that into a song that helps people in some way? I mean but you make music with other artists I with other artists I do that what are you going through right now what do you yeah. need to say to the world that you haven't said yet um you know what is your what is your era right now like what is your color right now you know like that's, that's what I care about as a writer when you're making this album are you really making it for you or for others this one was for me I might have made other things in the past for other people um I don't want to mention any albums, but I I might have made an album or two for other people. Can you hear the difference? Yeah. It's do you see all of it though as an extension of yourself? Yeah, of course. I've always made it like true to myself, but the the intent was maybe different and I'm just like admitting that to you, but how do you define the genre that you craft in today? Like, how do you see pop punk? How do you see emo music? Well, I see myself apart from all of that. I don't see myself a part of pop punk at all. I I see myself like like a, a pop punk lover. That's that's admiring it and using parts of it in cool. my own in my own thing. Um, but Black Bear is has always been its own uh, avenue, and uh, it's been a place for. You know people who don't fit in to go and fit in Totally. And yeah so um by the way isn't that art today as a whole isn't that music today as a whole in terms of
2: genres are in my mind nothing but economically crafted boxes mm-hmm. to just put
0: a label on a label to put a label you get what i'm saying well, like it, like conversation like in a conversation you want to be able to say oh i listen to this it's kind of like pop punk oh i listen to this it's kind of like r&b you know like totally. so so it's just like meant for conversation and i guess if somebody talked about me they would be like oh he's kind of like a rapper he's kind of like a singer he he's just did an album with travis barker and it's rock pop punk but um you know he's he's a wild card i think people would say that about me why well, was go fuck yourself the right first single and introduction to this era. it was just what the label wanted to do does that suck yeah do you find yourself it's weird why
2: do you have to battle for anything
0: it you're black there it's you know everybody everybody in artists bigger than me have to fight it's crazy have to fight and it's like if you don't have something that's like buzzing on TikTok, like they don't even answer your phone calls It's <laughs> it's like every all the all the jokes in movies are like true like the all the stuff that's like all the jokes that are like uh he's viral uh let's talk to him and then uh, wreck it ralph they're like (laughs) you're viral right now here's a drink and they give him a drink and they're like oh you were viral three seconds ago and they take the drink away (laughs) and it's just like you know it's that's how it really is and by the way that's in wreck it ralph yeah. So like it's
2: it's penetrating culture and the world is understanding what fleeting virality means more yeah. and more. Yeah. Which is y- your dad? Isn't that a little scary? To, like, and I'm I'm a product I'm created by the internet. Like my whole career Me too. Is
0: because of that. Me too. But it was the internet when it was MySpace and yes. when it was Twitter and MySpace and alone. And that's what I know. And that's I only use Instagram. I try to use it, but it's like it's like. Instagram's all like TikToks now anyways. So, yeah. like, I don't know. I'm just, like, lost, and so I'm, like, I'm a dad now, so I just hang out with my kids, and I let uh, Isabel on our team, she does uh, the social media now, and I just play with my kids and write songs. That's what I do. So That gave me goosebumps, by the way. <laughs> like, that's
2: a great existence.
0: Yeah, thanks. Yeah, that's what I do. That's Does that change the
2: way you make art?
0: Um... No, I mean, being a dad has yeah it changes your perspective. Settling down, getting married, and having kids like that's that slowed me down and and made it made it it made it to the point where I only work, I only work uh, for this week at a time, and then uh, the rest of the weeks I'm on tour or I'm with my family for this week, and you know I think before I had a family it was like I would just stay up till seven in the morning sometimes all night like just on coke and just like making horrible songs that will never see the light of day and I don't I, I, that's just what I was doing and then some of the songs made the albums and interesting yeah do you still keep those songs somewhere no
2: they're deleted deleted yeah they're gone what single would you have released if like what song were you fighting the label to release instead of go fuck yourself
0: dead inside was my favorite yeah, why was why did you think that was the right one? It just feels good. Is that how you judge? It's just a feeling?
2: Um. Yeah, yeah. Do you feel like is the feeling the same though every time?
0: Um. No, every song's feeling is different. There's like different vibes for sure. But, but... is there a thread to the hits? Um. Yeah, when a song. When a song feels really fucking good, it's usually gonna be like, you know, one of those one of those songs that everybody loves. And I, I I don't know if the if the vibe's right, but yeah, I I guess I I judge my I judge my work on how good it feels, and yeah, got it.
2: Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise.
0: What a wonderful day.
2: It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13.
1: What are you thinking? Do you think they uh, wanted Go Fuck Yourself to be released first because Machine Gun Kelly was on it and they wanted to help use that as like promotion? Yeah how does that make you feel
0: um it was okay because mg colson's like one of my best friends and we have songs together and it only makes sense like we have so we have success with the other two songs that we released together the road is so good oh thank you yeah so we we have like four five songs together but the last two that we did together have done have done really well and i think it was during that time and um the guy you know the people from my label heard the heard gfy and they were like this is the one this is the one and I was just like I believe you you know what you're doing and they were like we're going we're going with this one and you know and I just kind of yeah I I don't know if it was a mistake or anything but it was it was just like they kind of picked it and I I kind of wish it was another song first but it's just I'm not like I don't hold resentments about it there is something special between you and Mike Posner and you and
2: Kels, right? There has to be.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I work with a ton of people and like the special ones I like to keep around and keep making
2: music with. Uh, you know. And like you and Mike have been on such a fucking journey. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, it's, do you remember writing
0: Boyfriend with him? Like Yeah. Like it was yesterday what do you what was the move? what was the goal um the the goal was to make to work on the song that we made we made at his video shoot we we got a guitar we started singing we started singing something that kind of kind of had a good melody and i have a I have the video still of of him recording and singing and um The goal for that session was to make Mike's next big single and it was going to be him and Rick Ross and it was going to be called Bedroom. And it said, inside of your bedroom, no one has to know. Girl, take off your clothes. I don't know. I don't know what it was, but it. We made it boyfriend and Scooter Braun heard it and was like, this is coming out next week on Bieber next week on radio like it it was like that ha- quick it happened so fast they i guess they were like really scrambling for the perfect song for justin to become a adult yeah. to be seen as like big justin and that song changes his life yeah it changed his life for sure did it change yours yeah huh. yeah i most money i've seen was ten thousand dollars that mike gave me um, when I moved to California and I was sleeping on an air mattress of the Palazzo um, on Hollywood <laughs> by the grove by the grove yeah <laughs> and and it was my friends my I had like a friend who had like like daddy money and he had the apartment it was just horrible like just like trash everywhere and like I had an air mattress and a MacBook and that's all I that's all I really had in my clothes and uh, Mike gave me 10 grand. To start uh, to start my life and yeah and so we made boyfriend and that was that was the first time I saw a million dollars and I was 21 and it was insane and I spent all the money really fast and I, was, I went broke again and I was living in Canoga Park with my brother and I was giving him $75 to go to the grocery store and buy groceries um, because that's what we could afford for the week $75 and my g-wagon was parked in the garage so it wouldn't get repoed and like I just my whole story of and that's when I decided that's when I decided to make the afterglow and bet on myself and do black bear and take this shit seriously and never go broke again because that was horrible you know
2: what so that that was motivating yeah But also, that song has to be validating that you have what it takes to play on the biggest level out there. Yeah. Like you can write with the best of them.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: That's, that's crazy. Yeah. It's pretty wild. And you haven't got, and you will not go broke. No. Ever again. No. I shouldn't. That's, (laughs) you. Do you, you care about data? Because you've referenced it a couple times in this conversation. Hell yeah. I'm an internet person. Yeah. I get it. I understand. Yeah. But like you do, sometimes I do try to trick myself and be like, it's feeling, it's emotion, it's people who come up to you. It's that one-on-one experience that you get when somebody- I think it is that
0: and the data. Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> By the way, like
1: people who run away from data are running away from ugly data.
0: Yeah. That I, that's a through line. What are you thinking?
1: Speaking of Mike Posner, is this you killing the Mansions version of yourself on the cover of In Love... In, In no. In Loving, it's not?
0: No. I just have green hair.
1: Okay. Because I saw yeah. a lot of people wondering if like you were sending a sign by killing off the green-haired version of you.
0: No, no, no. It, it's more of a... It's more of a... It's more of like a self-sacrifice, kind of like death of ego, kind of like kill off kill off the bad version of yourself Mm -hmm. and like through making this album i was struggling really hard with opiates and um you know i have chronic pancreatitis so i'm prescribed i was prescribed 120 norcos every month for three years and so i was struggling really hard with pain pills and i was still like i was still sober but then i started overtaking them started snorting them and it kind of like i relapsed and like so i went back to rehab and that's what there's a song called back to rehab back in rehab on the album and um yeah i'm 36 days sober today congratulations thanks this album this (laughs) in loving memory you need to
2: listen to it this album is different it just feels different from anything else even the way you're talking about it but mostly based on the era that it's attached to
0: yeah how do you see this album they actually asked me like somebody from my label like called me and they were like hey so since you I was in rehab they were like since you made this album while you were fucked up do you even want it to actually come out how'd you take that it really hurt because I was like I was I was struggling but like I was I didn't like make it like blacked out you know yeah I was struggling, but, like, I didn't make it, like, blacked out. My heart was still in it. You were coherent. Yeah. And you were using it to actually heal. Yeah, and so that that hurt a lot, but it is it's a meaningful album, and I hope people listen to it. Yeah. And by the way, I
2: just want to make something clear. Like, what you go through and what you've been going through and manage is shared by tens and tens and tens of millions of other people all across this planet. Everybody's going through something, Mm -hmm. and in the same way, this music is helped you people will find healing from it yeah and will help them in the exact same way i hope so so to even question whether somebody wants to put that sort of art out into the world is not giving enough credit to art itself
0: no they're not like they're not really like paying attention to what i'm doing or or you know or talking to me or communicating with me and you know oh god whatever
1: yeah it makes me feel icky you know yeah what role does travis play in this album
0: um drums
1: (laughs) i'm just kidding
0: (laughs) i'm just kidding travis is the best man like i'm glad you brought him up um he we made we made the song the idea and it was for his album he was doing like he's he's still doing like an album with like different features on every song kind of like Timbaland would do or whatever like he's he's doing a drum album where where each artist does a song on it and the idea was my black bear song for the Travis Barker album and once once we made that I was like oh we already have one in the chamber if we want to make 10 Mm. other songs or 11 other songs and and I was I kind of had to fight for that song to be on my album yeah
2: so what is your process while working with him is it are you giving him finished lyrics are you supplying him with like an acoustic like you recording on a
0: phone or just yourself. Um, some of it was like, some of it was like lyrics, lyrics, guitar, vocal. Then he he kind of messed with the format of everything. Like he's like a format guy, and he likes to be like, no, we're gonna do this is the intro and it's only going to be half as long. And then we're going to go into a fast part here. And then the core, the big chorus and like in dead inside, like he was, he was the one that was like, there should be a big woo in it. So like, like he thinks of like little things to make the song like hooks and like top lines and like, he's just like a genius and it's amazing to work with him Well,
2: those things can change the entire song
0: yeah for the better
2: yeah it also in some cases commercialize it make it catchy like there's a lot of
0: yeah there's genius to his action Travis did a lot and um some of the songs we did bring to him and he just played drums on got it and that was it but you know a lot of the songs he had a big part in changing it around and doing doing cool shit you know
1: in Loving Memory is the album, and there's also some crazy features on there. I was not expecting Cheers. to see Bayside,
0: Anthony, and the used right? And New Found Glory, Jordan. Like what? So, is everybody different in terms of your process? Um, everybody had a different. Everyone had a different process with getting on my album. Are you talking about the features? Yeah, like, are you so like, are you bringing
2: again? Are you bringing finished records? to newfound glory or are you getting into the studio
0: and crafting from nothing together it was finished and i was like this is your part i know you better than you know you because i studied you when i was a kid (laughs) this is what you're singing and that's what it was like for the used bayside and and um newfound glory i it was it was just like these are the parts this is how it goes sing it or not be on the album <laughs> but, like, but but really how it all happened I mean bless those guys they're the best but like I wanted I wanted them to do what I heard in my head yeah. because I wanted the old version of them that maybe they don't do anymore and like I just I wanted early 2000s versions of them and like so I don't know it it, it it worked out it was good MGK MGK wrote his part though on GFY
2: do you give any notes or do you just let him do his thing I made him rewrite it
0: Really? Yeah, Yeah. and he makes me rewrite all mine, too, when I send him verses, so we do that to each other. Okay, whether it's, like, for fun or whatever, it is actually pushing you to bring out the best, right? Yeah, like, every time I send him a verse, he's like, I want the bratty bear, like, the rich, angry bratty bear that, like, you know, is is on the rocks in Hollywood (laughs) and... (laughs) and is on coke and like he he like he wants that from me in verses and i'm like i want the old chip off the old block mgk um you know that's rapping i don't want pop punk mgk so i we challenge each other for sure that's a great friendship yeah it's great and a great creative collaborator yeah because not you don't feel comfortable to do that with everybody i mean me and colson only have like really real conversations like he was late he was 30 minutes late to go on stage when we were on tour together because we were just talking you know it's just we have deep deep conversations he's just like a deep guy that's special yeah
2: you can't have that with everybody yeah and are there any similarities between your relationship with Kells and mike
0: no totally different totally different mike's like mike's like my for real brother we're like we're actually related and then like no no it just feels like it you know he has a black bear tattoo i have a mike posner tattoo we're just like we're just like we're like lovers that don't fuck (laughs) (laughs) that's really special yeah and he's also one of
2: he he had a role in changing my life and he's one of the coolest guys like yeah he's great he chose to give me time and interview with me at bamboozle when he first performed back in 2012 yeah and uh Definitely changed my life and my outlook and definitely gave me time when nobody needed to. And uh, he's fucking amazing. The
0: genuinely sweetest person. He's so sweet. Yeah. He's never changed either. Like, he's always been so sweet. And, like, his haircuts have changed. (laughs) Yeah, but that's it. Big time, but that's it. He's only gotten more enlightened. That's it. God, that
2: is so accurate. Yeah. But also, like, really cool to be around because you are the company you keep and i do believe Mm -hmm. that real recognizes real so you recognize something within each other
0: yeah for
2: sure and you definitely have some similarities there
0: yeah we just get each other musically like when when he does a part i freak out when i do a part, he freaks out and we just freak out about each other you know just fans yeah we're just big fans of we're big fans of like when the real true version of ourselves come out or we're big fans of those real true versions of ourselves. So God, it's a really great relationship.
1: Yeah. Do you guys ever discuss doing mansions too? I know everybody is always asking you that.
0: We start in November.
1: You start in November? Yeah. Oh, Oh, wow.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's
1: exciting.
2: Do you know what color hair we're going to do? Green. Sick. Okay, cool.
1: I guess I guess we'll just wait to see what happens with that. Yeah, I don't know if it'll be any good. But do you have to go? Like you you and Mike Posner getting together? Like it's gotta be good. Do you really think you guys would get in the in the studio together and create just like shit?
0: No, I don't. I don't. But I don't know. It definitely won't be Mansions One. Of course, there's no way it'll be mansions too and it'll be a sequel and i hate sequels so we'll see <laughs> <laughs> sophomore albums are always tough yeah they're weird yeah yeah because <laughs> it's not the debut it's like a gr- it's like you're in- growing a little bit yeah, growing a lot of it i mean it's yeah. been five years that's it yeah but in loving memory is the current era yeah
2: please listen to the album It it is a message to your birth dad yep it,
0: do you wish he could have heard it no i kind of made it like just like i'm a pretty spiritual person and i kind of i kind of just made it to tell him now that he is at peace and he's not struggling with those demons anymore and he can actually hear me and i just i just believe that he needed to hear it beyond the grave
1: Why'd you end it with Hazel inside? Because that song, just from like the teasers you put out, sounds much more. I mode. wrote that with
0: Mike. I oh, did. Yeah. yeah. Um, Mike was watching my son like run around in the studio, and Mike just kind of started playing these chords on the guitar and started singing a verse, and and somehow it it just it was it was just a song about my son. And it, it, it's cool because it's the last song on the album and the album is kind of about my real dad and then it ends with with like me being a dad and and I don't ever have to be like the real dad that was never there for me you know and yeah god
2: the visual of you all is gonna bring me to tears dude <laughs> like that's like really special yeah it's special it's incredibly like full circle and like yeah gosh yeah life is crazy Life is wow. <laughs> Please listen to "In Loving Memory."
0: What else you thinking? Uh,
1: the last question I had is: uh, You mentioned in the past that you send your music to Stephen Jenkins from Third Eye Blind. Yeah. Did you send him this album when it was finished?
0: I didn't. Maybe I will. Like today, <laughs> just pop it in the inbox. Yeah. Um, send him the box link. He's like one of the many people that I send stuff to, and I'm like, "Hey, what do you think of this song?" And he does the same to me for Third Eye Blind stuff. So like, <laughs> casual. Yeah. And, um, I was just a huge, huge fan of him growing up and he's one of my biggest like influences, but now we're at a a point where we're kind of like, I don't, I still see him as the best lyricist that's ever lived. And, um, I, we just see each other as, as like music guys in different directions, doing different things, but we kind of give notes on songs and yeah would you apply his notes? I I have before. Yeah, there's so, the honest there's a song on everything means nothing that he co-wrote um a part. Yeah. <laughs> That's and just because you sent it back and forth. Yeah, I feel bad as um he did the outro of the song. Wow. Yeah. It's casual and cool. Yeah.
1: I mean, you've worked with so many people. Is there anybody you look back on and you're like I can't believe I worked with that person or you just like kind of starstruck by someone or is it just normal at this point? Well, I can't believe that I worked with Chester
0: Bennington before he passed Yeah, on the last Lincoln park album. Like that kind of blows my mind. And he was just such a sweet person, such a kind soul and like, um, just a beautiful person. And he also struggled with pancreatitis like I do. And he was in pain a lot of his life and the pain just got too bad every day for him. And I, I get it. And, um, you know, yeah, that blows my mind that I got to work with them and Mike Shinoda and Brad and all those guys are just so sweet.
1: Yeah, didn't you get to work with Mike on a song for Chester after he passed? Yeah.
0: You. yeah. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was like pretty healing. Um, I don't like remember much, but it was, it was, it was healing to do. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, Chester, he, he's one of the best screamers. His, he is. his 18 second scream on giving up is. <laughs> Phenomenal.
0: Yeah. 18 do you, do you, seconds, man.
1: He screamed for 18 seconds and he just goes right back into singing. And he when he did it live, nailed it. It was like a it was like an actual recording. It was incredible. Yeah.
0: I struggle with the verse of Hockrow Bummer, so I don't know how he does that. <laughs> Which is hard, might I add. There was the Hockrow Bummer challenge when it came out to like Correct. to do the whole verse without taking a breath. And I did it like easily. But um a lot of people, yeah, it's it's hard.
1: Oh, wait, the last question I... Sorry, I keep keep popping <laughs> in my head. Um, you have a Christmas song called You Hate the Holidays. Classic. Do you... Don't you have a Christmas song? song? You no, do.
0: You don't remember? You Yeah, you hate the holidays. I think it's I hate, I hate the holidays. I hate the holidays. Yeah, it was like a Matt Musto song, yeah. Not yeah. a Black Bear song.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you... Do you still feel that way? Like, I feel like holidays change once you have kids.
0: <laughs> I don't know what I was doing when I was that age. <laughs> that came out when I was literally 12 years old. I don't know. <laughs> okay. I I love the holidays. <laughs> I still relate to it though, by
2: the way. I mean, I, I'm fine with that. I have a love-hate relationship with
0: it. Yeah, just some years you're just like, oh, this again. Yes, truth. And then some years you're like, I'm like already ready to go to Christmas this year. <laughs> But it does,
2: like, kids do change the way you treat even the most minor holidays. Like, Fourth of July is a thing. Yeah. Flag Day could even be a thing.
0: Oh, yeah. You know, like, everything. Easter, everything's a thing. (laughs) Yeah. Easter egg hunts at my house are sick yeah we have 15 acres out in the country <laughs> so like wow. we have crazy easter egg hunts okay you go for you go for 48 hours see you in two days yeah <laughs> good luck Put 100 dollar bills in the eggs and stuff sick i'm a sick i'm a sick person yeah i'll invite myself next year yeah. thanks <gasps> you just have to search three acres to find one <laughs> i mean for 100 bucks i'll do a lot uh.
2: <laughs> Please, listen to it mem- uh, in loving memory. Uh, there's going to be a link in the description below. Also, all of Black Bear's music is available right here on Amazon Music. Listen to it. I uh, really can't thank you enough, man, for taking the time. Yeah, today.
0: thank you, guys. You're appreciate you, Zach and Dan. Really incredibly special, so thanks. Yeah.
2: Black Bear, everybody. Hello,
0: beautiful human. Thank you so much
2: for listening to our conversation with Black Bear. I really appreciate you giving us your time and energy today. It means a lot. If you want to see the video of this interview, it's up. Zach Sang Show on YouTube. Search it. Also, let us know who you should talk to next. That's Zach Sang Show on any form of social media. We're always around. Subscribe to our podcast. Share with those you care about. be safe. Hug your family. Don't go to jail. Have a great day. Keep listening to music because it helps make the world go round. And I'll talk to you real soon. Peace and love. By the way, today's episode is made possible by a few incredible humans, including our executive producers, Michael D. Ratner, Scott Ratner, Dylan Martyr, Dan Zola, Joshua Russack, and Olivia Rudensky. Our senior director, Toby Lawless, our associate producers, Eve Bishop, and Claudia Villarreal. Our music is by James Ashuto. Our editor is Camera Carlos Villa Gomez. Our sound mixer is Daniel Chavez Crook. Our post-production manager is Caroline Rude. And I'm your host and executive producer, Zach Sang.
1: Thanks for hanging out with us today. I'll talk to you real soon.